When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Sean Basto. And it's the return of the promoter life. And today's episode is going to feature Dragonfire Boxing promoter and manager, Tony Tolge. But before we get into the episode, I just need to give, need to give a quick shout out to the sponsors of the podcast, Bear Attack Boxing. Now, you know about Bear Attack Boxing. They're producing high quality boxing gloves and boxing equipment. Get on their website and have a look at it. It's www.bearattackboxing.com. .co.uk and find them at Bear Attack Boxing all over social media. Before we get into the episode as well, please go and find us on Apple Podcasts or on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM. We're on every single podcasting app out there. Go and find us, subscribe to us, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It truly, truly helps us. So thank you for that and thank you for all your votes in the British Podcasting Awards. We really, really appreciate that too. So this is it. The promoter life returns with Tony Tolge of Dragon Via Boxing. He promotes and manages Andrew and Jason Maloney. He was involved with Chris John. You remember Chris John? Fantastic fighter from the early sort of to late 2000s and early 2010s. He's a great fighter, definitely a Hall of Fame fighter who won uh, world titles and defended world titles on numerous occasions, which we'll hear in the episode. We're also going to talk about what boxing is like in Australia, get a real insight to how it actually all works over there, and also find out a little bit more about Tony and, and his journey into boxing as well so this is it the promoter life with tony tolge so we're delighted to have tony tolge on the line from australia tony it's great to get you on and finally speak to you about yourself and your promotion and thanks for coming on first and foremost no worries thanks for having me 
No, it's great. It's great to be able to get this uh, this sort of level of um, exposure from different parts of the world. Obviously, we've done stuff with people in America, in the UK, and now Australia. So I'm really excited to find a little bit more out about yourself and about the the promotion and obviously some of the high-profile fighters that you're currently looking after. So I think the first question I've got to ask you really is, is your about your journey into boxing and where did it all begin for you? Um, initially, it began by applying for a job as a graphic designer. Right. Uh, I applied for a job as a graphic designer. I was uh, doing uh, the graphics for this company in Perth called uh, Harry's Gym, and um, I was sort of doing that role there. But I was helping out with the uh, like the I don't know what you call it, like the the admin there. But uh, she didn't have that much of a understanding for the you know the the boxing side of things. And uh, my boss uh, at the time was always uh, away uh, with uh, different fighters and um, I was uh, yeah having to do a lot of her work and then it sort of transitioned from there where I just uh, got more and more uh, into the into the boxing side of things and um, here within uh, basically uh, from starting there as a graphic designer within a, a year and a half we uh, we ended up uh, with uh, Chris John and we we uh, had him world champion uh, pretty much for ten, for 10 years after that so talking about uh, falling into falling into glory it's, uh, it's I've actually been pretty spoiled uh, only been boxing in 18 months and uh, you, you're working with a future Hall of Famer so before you, you got into to the boxing side then uh, I'm, I'm assuming you was always a boxing fan yeah that's right well, always just a sports fan in general right. but yeah I love my boxing and what do you think of, of uh, the, the Australian and, and New Zealand heavyweight scene and the, the lower weight categories there's, there's a lot of good fighters coming through there at the moment isn't there yeah, well, I'm pretty biased because uh, <laughs> we pretty much uh, dominate the, the, the lower um, weight scene at the moment with uh, Andrew and Jason Maloney. And uh, we've also got um, Bilal Dib at Super Featherweight and a new boxer that um, just uh, had his uh, pro debut, uh, Furkan uh, Dimakaya. He's another one that will be campaigning at about uh, Super Featherweight, possibly lower down the track. Oh, and, and we've also got uh, uh, Bruno. He's a Tanzanian boxer. He just won the IBF... Uh, Pan Pacific uh, Super Featherweight title, but he he can box anywhere from bantamweight to Super Featherweight. So what's the what's this transition then been like? Because you're talking about you know being a graphic designer, studying to be a graphic designer, coming into uh, the, the the boxing scene, and then essentially you've 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 learned everything on the job and on the go, haven't you? Uh, pretty much as well. But I've I've also always been uh, an avid. Uh, uh, professional wrestling fan and um, I've always been more fascinated of the inner workings or be behind the scenes and the actual uh, matches and everything else and a lot of the, um, the system of uh, professional boxing uh, mirrors that of uh, professional wrestling with the, apart from the fact that the fights are real yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> so it's it's yeah. it's quite an intriguing uh, insight into in, into the way things work and obviously over, over in the UK things work i don't think it's too dissimilar but you know people get into the sport and they either come from being a professional boxer and turning promoter or they like yourself really they kind of come from from completely different background where they've always been a sports fan and they're able to get into a position where they're able to actually work their way into to, to, to the promoting side and have you have you come across any difficulties in in learning and experience since you since you turned promoter 
Um, yeah, it's always learning every every day in in the boxing world. There's there's always something new uh, and uh, different challenges that you have to face um, in so many different aspects. If like I said, we've uh, we've worked with uh, um, like pretty much all, all of Indonesia. We worked with uh, Australia as well, and everywhere's just got a completely different setup, uh, mindset. Uh, even things in America are different. Uh, Asia with Japan and even England, uh, things are similar, but yeah, it's a whole different market. So how do things work then uh, with with promoting in Australia? I mean, obviously we we have small hall shows in the UK where you know through most of the big towns in the UK they'll have some sort of small hall promotion on, uh, and then then a lot of the fighters work their way through their careers. You know, say 10, 11, 12 and oh, and then they kind of move on to a bigger promoter within the country. Then and that that's that's tends to be how it works uh, in the UK. What what's it like with Australia? Is it the same style, the same format, or is it kind of you get to a promoter and you stick with that promoter and they take you all the way to where you want to go? It's pretty much that way because in Australia we actually do uh, we do the role of uh, club promoter and uh, and the high-end promoter as well. But you can't in Australia. You can't get the the like the TV money until you actually um, become world champion. So it's to go to go from point A to point B is uh, very difficult. So that's why yeah, there's a lot of challenges challenges that we have to face, and that's why a lot of the times you'll find as well that uh, the Australian guys will end up uh, a lot of the times before they're ready end up uh, fighting abroad because there's that the big payday and the the opportunity for a title. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I. I, I I mean that's all, that's a case with a lot of fighters that come from from different countries going to where the market is at that present time, whether it be the USA, whether it be the the, the UK. You know, there's there's always a market where it's going to pay a lot more money, and you're going to get a lot more in TV revenues, gate receipts, things of that nature. And and, and I can understand that. Um, in in Australia at the moment, in terms of where the promotion is going, what what are the plans? Are you looking to make it? You know, the the as big as as say like a Frank Warren or a a matchroom boxing over in the UK? Are you looking to try and take it to that level? I, ideally, we'll, we'll try to like to go to that level, but because um, I also uh, operate as a manager as well, so I, I always try to get the, the best uh, deal uh, for the fighters. And sometimes it, they're better off uh, fighting on uh, on, a, on a bigger event if they're going to be getting the uh, opportunity, like a title or the the payment uh, and the exposure. And, and that's the the thing that I, I try to incorporate with the promotions as well, because I've always seen a lot of these guys will go their whole careers, then they'll have a fight at the end of their career. They'll take, um, I don't know, 10 plus years to, to get to that level, but uh, they've been fighting guys with uh, with abilities not not the greatest. So by the time they come and fight at that level, they get blown out of the water. So I've got a different philosophy. I've just uh, try to get, when possible, uh, get as many of the the guys fighting as tough as they can within uh, within reason uh, so then when they fight uh, when they get called up for that uh, big stage they're, they're ready that's uh, why um, I think Andrew and Jason when they fought abroad they've done so well because they've always fought really tough opposition and that's something that's always uh, always kind of puzzled me a little bit in boxing and working in this side of it in the media side I've always looked at it from, from afar and looked at it like why would why would you put your fighter in with say 
say 15 journeymen 15 road fighters uh, who who they can beat no problem and then put them in with somebody who's a genuine threat a genuine contender like themselves and like you said they kind of get blown out of the water and I don't understand you know sometimes why people do that why promoters do that because that's not really preparing the fighter for the big stage and that's essentially what you want to do isn't it as a promoter you want to you want to guide them all the way through the career up until the point where you can take them to world title level yeah that's right and because my philosophy as well i don't want to just be going there to make up the numbers for anything i want to go there and uh not just win a world title but have a world world title reign that's like uh back going back to chris john like i said we had him uh at when he, when he won the world title and uh, every little one percent because there's so many different things that happen at that world title level would fight tooth and nail and and go to war just to make sure that there's every opportunity that, that uh, our box is going to come out with his hand raised. Obviously, Chris John for for people that are listening that don't know who he is, you need to go and check him out because he's actually a very very good fighter and uh, although he's obviously been re- retired since 2013, he had he had a brilliant career. He had a brilliant career and he won various world titles and defended the world title on various occasions. And what was that experience for you then, Tony, like uh, working with Chris? That was phenomenal. Um, and just so the if you, uh, listeners can uh, know a bit more about him, he was the WBA fighter of the decade. He had 80, 18 world title defences. The record in the history of that division is 19. The, um, he went for the 19th title defence, but he fought a guy from South Africa. And I knew that we were in trouble in the morning of that fight because uh, Nelson Mandela died. And if you're ever going to lift uh, for any fight, it was going to be then. And uh, that guy had the fight of his career, and he won. He's also fought a lot of a lot of names that maybe more of a casual audience will will recognise when you look at one man well Marquez is, is one of the biggest names you know that that I know of on his record where people will know Marquez because of obviously his fights with Pacquiao and he went on to fight Mayweather and he had some cracking fights in, in various divisions himself so people are obviously going to know Marquez uh, Rocky Rocky Juarez as well he was another one who I think a lot of the casual audience will remember as a fighter so it wasn't just like he had this record of you know what was it, nearly 50, I think it was 51, 52 fights, and then he's fought nobody, he's fought a lot of legendary Hall of Fame fighters, hasn't he? That's right, and you know when he fought uh, Rocky Juarez, that was in uh, Texas, not only, not that he threw, he landed I think 400 more punches, and um, and they had the fight a draw, it was one of the, like Canada, uh, one of the 20 biggest robberies in the last 20 years in Ring Magazine. Wow, yeah, I, you know, I, I actually do recall, I do recall it because, you know, these things in boxing happen all the time and that, that's the side of it that yeah. is quite frustrating for, for for fans, for the fighters, for all the promoters, the managers involved in, in getting the fighters to this stage and it, it, I think well, it happened over the weekend with, with Dennis Hogan and Jaime Munguia as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was, a, that was again, I felt like Dennis Hogan had won his fight with Jaime Munguia but yeah, they'd given it in because he was in Mexico and he's a golden boy promoted fighter and it was their show and you know these things really shouldn't come into play but I think the majority of people that I spoke to and that I see on social media felt like Hogan had won that fight yeah I agree I um, I can't say definitively that he won it but I, I believe that he won it but I missed the first uh, three rounds so I yeah 
I don't know what happened in those rounds, so I can't I can't actually say. That's fair enough. But yeah, from what from from what I could see, I, I believe that he he won that fight. And that's that's just a general thing in boxing that people just kind of put it down to. Oh well, it's just another it's just another uh, robbery basically. And when it's your fighter on the other end of it, what what's the feeling like? What's the frustration like? Oh, it, it's terrible because these people uh, devote their lives. Uh, for for these moments, for these opportunities, <laughs> even uh, Jason Maloney fought in America, and uh, there were the three officials there. Uh, the, there was the German judge; he was completely neutral, so he didn't care. He gave us that fight seven rounds to five, and then there was an American and a Mexican official. When uh, we were in Orlando fighting a Latino, and um, always going to be up against it, and uh, they. Um, they gave it against us seven to five, and yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Well, let's move on and talk about the Maloney brothers. Then, obviously, they're two of the guys that are being. I know they're being heavily promoted by yourselves, and uh, recently, obviously, there was a great win as well, weren't they? Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's right. We were we were in uh, Chile for for Andrew Maloney's fight, and um, is this it was a similar situation to Dennis Hogan. There was a few uh, little shenanigans that were happening happening after the weigh-in, but um, we. Um, we ended up uh, doing the fight after that, and then I think it was in a round, round about five, round five or possibly six. Andrew uh, slipped because the the ring was a bit uh, old, a bit dodgy, and uh, he slipped in the ring. And there was not a single uh, punch landed. The referees uh, called it a slip, and then she's looked over at the timekeeper. But because uh, she's uh, broken uh, broken up the action, the timekeeper's uh, counting, and uh, she's just wrongly assumed that it's uh, somehow been a knockdown. So she starts counting as a knockdown. Then we th- we knew that the, the writing's on the wall there, and um, I think there was a one or two rounds after that that. Uh, uh, Andrew's uh, trainer said to him, but they're not going to do us any favours over here. We're we're probably going to be down in the scorecard and um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to lift. And uh, Andrew was telling me as well, he's he's, uh, dedicated 15 years of his life to this and there's no way they're going to rob him. And he went out for that knockout and he he stopped him and it was a a brutal knockout as well. And a great victory for him and, and, and obviously now this is part of the plan for for, for Andrew, obviously you, you're taking him up to that world title contention and, and getting him there and just talk a little bit more about him for obviously the people that don't know him because there'll be people that listen and, and, and don't actually know of Andrew and don't know you know what he's all about and, 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 and that's solely down to the fact that you know over in like the UK we don't always get to see these types of fighters unless we're really hardcore fans and, and we get to you know we get to follow them what what is it about Andrew that you believe he, he's going to go on to become a world champion oh, I believe that the same for, for uh, both of the guys they got just a real good uh, pedigree they uh, really good people outside of the ring. In the in the ring, they've they've got the class, they've got the ability, they've got uh, they've got power, they've got ring smart. But they they dedicate their lives to to, to boxing. That's all they do. Like some people are drug addicts. They, these are. Uh, these two brothers, uh, boxing is their drug. They uh, they were training with a different uh, trainer in um, Melbourne, and they decided to to leave him because they thought that they needed to go to that next uh, sort of level. And then they were approaching a few different trainers, and then they've uh, approached uh, the current trainer Angelo, and he's in the the Gold Coast, and that they live in Melbourne. And uh, they said, "Would you?" Uh, 
want to train us? And he goes, oh, I'll train you, but I, I'm not moving. Oh, this is it. Here's where I live now. And they, uh, they packed their bags, our partners, and they, they found a place uh, over there and they moved. Actually, the place that, they, that he lives in is called Kingsley. They never even, uh, they told me after, we never even heard of the place, but we didn't care. We just wanted to go and train with the best and um, give ourselves every opportunity to win a world title. And uh, just so you know as well that uh, Angelo, he's uh, trained uh, Danny Green, uh, Victor Chinian. He was uh, one of the uh, assistant trainers for, for Chris John as well. Trained uh, Sakio Beaker when he won the contender. He trained uh, Gary St. Clair as well to a world title and um, and a whole handful of others. But yeah, they dedicated their whole lives and, and moved everything. And now to the point where the, their father's moved over to uh, there as well. He's probably about two hours and a half uh, by road, but he, they're still sort of all moved there now. So let's talk about them individually then in terms of, of, of the careers where they're at at the moment and just sort of where we're going to see them going. Obviously, Andrew first, he's in a division which is obviously stacked with, with talent and there's quite a few brilliant fighters in the division. Uh, you know, there's guys like, obviously over here, there's Kyle Yafai, Roman Gonzalez, Nietes, uh, Rung Versailles is obviously sort of top of the list. I mean, and these are the types of names that you want to start getting Andrew in the ring with shortly. Well, just so you know as well, uh, Andrew, when he fought in Chile, that was the WBA uh, world title eliminator. So now he's mandated to fight the winner of uh, Cal U5 versus Norberto Jimenez. And that's fight that's taking place on June the 1st at Madison Square Garden on the Anthony Joshua yeah, sure. card. Yep. So the plan is, is probably to... Is it, is it possible that he's probably going to end up even fighting over here? I'm pretty sure Eddie Earn's going to probably try and get it in the UK, isn't he? Yeah, well, we've done an interview before talking about the U5 fight. And uh, Andrew said that he's uh, prepared to fight him on the moon. So it doesn't matter where, where the fight will take place. He'll, he'll be there. And what about Jason then? Uh, wh- where do you see Jason going in terms of his career? Um, there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, different scenarios that can happen as well. Jason at the moment, I think he's number four in the uh, WBA, uh, and there's the regular champion is uh, Anui, and the super champion is uh, Donaire, and both of those guys are, are fighting in uh, April in and May. Yep. So that that should be uh, get one of the guys should end up being a unified champion. So then the regular title should become available, and uh, we'd like to um, to be in the box seat to challenge for that one. Uh, and there's also uh, Jason is also number three in the WBC. So at the moment. Obviously, um, Jason's, in a, Jason's in a position, Tony, where he's already had the experience of being on the, on the big stage because obviously he was in the ring with, with Manny Rodriguez in the uh, World Boxing Super Series tournament earlier on. So he's already got great experience. He went 12 rounds and on, on, only lost on a split decision to Manny Rodriguez. So what did he take away from, from that fight and that stage? Uh, just the, ho- the whole atmosphere. He, he soaked everything up and uh, he knew... Uh, that he, I think in his own head, he knew that he belonged to that level, and uh, he was that. Uh, if that was a fifteen-round fight, um, we would have to get a pillow, I think, for Rodriguez. He, he would have gone to sleep. He was gassed hard at the end of that fight, and uh, both Jason and Andrew got big motors, and they they come hard and come uh, for all. 10, 12 uh, rounds, and uh, yeah, he, he knew that um, it never been 12 rounds before, and uh, I think a lot of the times, even in the, 
these uh, competitions here. Sometimes you got to lose one to win one. you got to know what you need to go to the next level. And I think subconsciously just wasn't quite sure the, about the what pace he can go at for those 12 rounds. But after the first few rounds, he, he knew that he belonged and he was uh, and he come on really, really strong where, in fact, uh, the German judge gave him the last six rounds. I felt like it was a very close fight, that particular fight with Manny Rodriguez, and I felt like um, at the time of watching it, he could have potentially been scored either way, and I wasn't too dis- I wasn't too sort of disheartened with 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 the, with the result as such, because I feel it could have been given either way. However, I do think for, for Jason, it was a fantastic showing and, and a great way of putting himself on the map on that stage, and as you've just been talking about there with his, with his future, you know, depending upon obviously how the tournament you know finishes over the next few months it's going to be a great opportunity for him then to, to step in with you know one of these guys uh, whoever sort of eventually comes out the winner of it and the, the the biggest obviously guy in the division the guy that everybody's sort of talking about ironically he's been nicknamed the same as uh, Andrew he's called the the monster in Nao Inoue he's a, an absolutely exceptional fighter and could you could you potentially see that being something in the future for Jason um I would say yes, but I can also say no, because that's a fight that we'd love to have and uh, we wouldn't hesitate taking that fight. But I've got the sneaking feeling that Anui will end up uh, winning this tournament and probably move up a Bantam. I could be wrong, but that's just sort of my gut feeling in the, in the whole thing. And I, I believe that uh, Jason, I think he'd probably maintain a stay at Bantamweight for the majority of his uh, career. So there's a potential there a great opportunity for Jason really if, if Inoue does do that which is has been predicted I have heard that before that he is planning to, to move up once this tournament's over win, lose or draw you know that that's the plan for him but it sounds like it's you know it sounds like it's going really really well in terms of what you're doing for, for the two Maloney brothers um, going back to you and your promotion I think really I want to find out ultimately where you want to take it and and where you want to take the, 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 the promotion as a, as a whole you know I are you, are you wanting to take it as uh, you know national and then even sort of international? Oh, we've we've had our shows uh, international before. Like even uh, when we're doing the ones with uh, with Chris John, uh, we, we promoted ourselves in uh, Singapore and uh, and a few other places like that. But at the moment, without the um, the TV is a little bit hard here at the moment because it's been locked up by a couple uh, other uh, promoters. So. Without that kind of big uh, funding, you can you've got a uh, you've got a cap on at the moment. So we're just going to keep um, battling away and uh, doing our best for our fighters and give them the best opportunity. But yeah, we'd like to just to, to keep on building it and build the industry into a better position than uh, than when we started. And for you personally. What what is your goal out of all this? What what is it you want to get out of uh, being a promoter and a manager? I um, like I said, I was I was pretty much blessed by um, being um, involved with a uh, uh, Chris John after only I think it was less than eighteen months, it was, it was maybe just over a year, and um, you know not many people go their go go in their lives to have uh, been part of a world title fight, including uh, with Chris John, he's had eighteen world title fights, and there's been a handful of others, and uh, it's probably I don't know twenty five thirty world title fights that I've been involved with, and just because I've I've had that kind of experience with everyone, I like to give uh, you know all the um, gifts that I've been given uh, through other people and opportunities like with Chris to 
who's only 23. We've got uh, Furkan uh, Dimakaya. He's um, only 20 years old. We've also got uh, Reagan Dassault. He's a light heavyweight. Uh, he um, He's only yeah, tw- 22. Uh, he just fought um, Blake Caparello in Melbourne, and it was uh, another one of those sort of controversial decisions. But yeah, he's got... Um, there was a great uh, experience for him. But yeah, I'd like to see all of these guys. And also in Perth, we've got uh, Jackson England and um, uh, another guy, uh, Malad uh, Farzad, and... Uh and a, and a few other guys and we'd like to see them uh, go to that next level and uh, through the, the right kind of connections and uh, uh, pathways so there's only so basically I, I, I just like to give the opportunity back to other people that that is you know I can't argue with that at all I'm not that's a great thing and it's a great thing to be able to do uh, with, with anything that you do in life I think is is to be able to give something back to somebody from what you've learned and the question I was going to just ask you then was uh, well it's a two part question really and I wanted to know what's been your best moment of being a promoter slash manager and in the same sense what's been your worst <laughs> I can tell you the worst already <laughs> is um, we put on one of the, one of the uh, one of the best cards for a long time. We had um, one of our fighters uh, who fought two times for a IBF world title, Nufel Ben Rabah. He fought uh, Jeff Horn in uh, Perth on um, um, in December of 2013. On that same card, we had uh, a young uh, Aboriginal boxer, um, Matty Garlett. He fought for the WBC, defended his WBC title against Ryan uh, Simona from uh, the Philippines. We had uh, uh, Dowd uh, Jordan for the IBF world title, and we had uh, Chris John fight for the uh, WBA world title, going to equal the record uh, 19th title defense. So that was a that was a great card there, uh, one of the best ever seen in Australia. <laughs> the only problem is Chris John. Uh, Lost that fight. He lost by stoppage. Ended up retired after that fight. That uh, Matty Garland got knocked out. He, he's ended up retired after that fight. Um, Nafel Ben Rabah lost a uh, a young uh, Jeff Horn. He, he's ended up retired after that fight. Uh, Dowd Jordan still won, and we had some other fights with him. But yeah, that was uh, that was probably one of the the lower nights. But, uh, in terms of uh, the great nights. Um, one of them would probably be uh, Chris John versus Dow Jordan. Uh, Dow uh, was a young, up-and-coming uh, boxer who everyone was saying was going to take over the reins of Indonesian boxing. And um, he was the first ever uh, all-Indonesian world title fight. And, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, Chris John schooled uh, Dow Jordan. And, um, yeah, he, he's ended up becoming... Well, he's a n- national hero anyway, but that, that was a great moment. Uh, Chris John uh, defeating Rocky Juarez at the MGM uh, as a co-feature for Mayweather Marquez was another great moment. And even just recently, um, with a deck, a deck uh, stacked against us in uh, Chile, with uh, one judge from Peru at the time only giving us two out of seven rounds, um, there were a lot of things going against us in that fight. And uh, Andrew Maloney has come through with a knockout win. That was that was really satisfying in uh, recent times. So it sounds like to me that there's uh, there's been some fantastic experiences, especially obviously working with Chris John, and and now that's moving on and obviously working with the Maloney brothers. And it sounds like there's plenty more to come in your career as a promoter and a manager, and obviously being able to guide these guys to to that world title level and world titles is, is obviously something that I know you you know is is the ultimate goal for you. And it's obviously been really good to hear a little bit more of an insight into what boxing 
is like over in Australia for people that don't already know and it's been a great insight into hearing about your experiences with uh, you know a bona fide Hall of Famer in in Chris John uh, and and basically where everything's going as well it's, it's really good to kind of touch base and find out what's happening across the other side of the world because like I said earlier it's something that I don't feel that gets gets done enough is like we don't get to know about these fighters until they actually hit the stage of say world boxing super series and it's very very rare for for, for most of the casual audience to, to get to know about these fighters until you see them on one of these shows or until you know they get into to a world title fight and people will sit there and go oh who's this fighter I've never heard of him before because they've never had that opportunity or exposure to do that so it's really good you know that you're pushing the boundaries with the, with especially with the Maloney brothers and, and with your other fighters as well and you know that not before long we're probably going to see uh, that a potential world title fight with Cal Yafai happen more than likely I- I'm guessing it'll probably be on a show over here in the UK yeah that's right well it, to be honest uh, in recent times uh, Yafai's been fighting in America and with Matchroom uh, uh, doing the bulk of uh, events in America now we could end up there that's they've true. even do- doing shows in uh, Monaco as well he's fought there so you never know where we, where we could end up fighting. That's true. Yeah, it's a good point. Obviously, with uh, with like the Joshua card, and you're saying obviously Calify is on the undercard of that. There's a big potential that they could end up landing somewhere in America. But no, I t- I'll tell you what, it has been great to kind of get more of an insight and an education into uh, the, the the life of, of of a promoter like yourself and, and a manager. And also, it's good to hear your experiences of, of where you've been and sort of where you are looking to go. So, uh, all I can say is thank you for coming on and and. and educating us and educating the listeners a bit more into into what's going on in Australian boxing. No, thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been great. Thanks very much for coming on, Tony. Really appreciate it. Uh, come back on with uh, with uh, having a couple, uh, at least a couple uh, world champions for you to to, to talk about as well. Hundred percent. And I, I like I say, genuinely, I am really looking forward to seeing where both Maloney brothers go, and, and I'm expecting to for people to listen to this episode of our podcast, the Promoter Life, and pick up on the Maloney brothers a bit more. And and obviously, I've got to give a big shout out really to, to Chris Glover. You know, he does a lot. Of of the articles for, for various outlets. He does it for our outlet, which is Eastley Boxing Repeat. And I know, obviously, he does a lot with yourself and he does with the Maloney brothers as well. So a big shout-out to Chris, really, for obviously producing that content and, and giving these guys uh, a, a way to get yeah, that type of exposure. He's, he's, yeah, he's a, yeah, sorry, to interrupt, I was going to say, yeah, he's just a great guy and uh, he, he's great to have on the team as well. Thanks for coming on, Tony. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, mate. So there we go guys, that's the Promoter Life with Tony Tolge, I hope you've enjoyed listening to that and getting more of an insight into boxing within Australia, how difficult it is when there is only one TV network and about four mainstream promoters over there, it's also good to hear Tony's journey into boxing, how he started as a graphic designer, moving into promoting and managing He's been involved with Chris John, who is a multiple world champion. He's been involved with the Maloney Brothers, who you've heard a lot more about now and probably will remember from the World Boxing Super Series tournament. And he's just generally a nice guy and really great to chat to about boxing and get more of an insight into it. So please, if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, go on social media, follow at BTR Boxing Pod 
and follow us on Facebook if you're a Facebook user, BTR Boxing Podcast on there as well. It's really appreciated. Leave us a review, leave us a rating if you're on any of the podcasting apps that you listen to. Find us and subscribe to us, listen to us, tell your friends. And finally, make sure you get to the BritishPodcastAwards.com website and vote for us. So there you go, that's another episode of the Promoter Life Done and Dusted. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.